Immediately a man was nailed to the cross, he lost all his rights. And if you ever get nailed to the cross, you'll lose all yours too. We love ourselves so much. And who are, who are we talking about now? Unbelievers? No. So-called believers who have never understood what it is to take up the cross and put self to death. See, because in the last days there's going to be very little preaching about the cross and death to self-life. And so, when there's no preaching against death on death to self, self is going to flourish in the lives of many Christians. They won't even know that you cannot follow Jesus if you love yourself. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the Jailhouse. <clears throat> I'm asking you, is Christ, does Christ live in you? Christianity is the only religion in the world where a man's God comes and lives inside of him. Thanks be to God that when I finally acknowledge that I can't do this, it's not possible for me to live the Christian life on my own. I, I'm not called to chart my own course. I'm not called to create my own destiny and ask God to bless it. I'm called to follow Him. I'm called to give up the rights to my life and walk with the Holy Savior. I'm called to let His mind be formed in me. His life become my life. His ways become my ways. His purpose become my purpose. His plan become my plan. And then the power of God will come upon me. It's Thanksgiving Day 2022. This is Tom Richardson with the Removing Confusion podcast. Let that song play in the background. I'm going to play you another song here in a bit. Uh, but I think we need to reflect on today what we're thankful for. Are you thankful for where you live? Now, I know we have people all over the world that listen. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the folks that do listen because I try to do what I, the best I can do as far as bringing you the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we all, we really want to be about here. Um, there's some statements that get made in that opening about when a man was nailed to a cross, he lost all of his rights, lost all of his freedom. And when you get nailed to the cross or when you pick up your cross and carry it daily you give up yours as well the idea behind and you know talks about self of uh, there was a guy by the name of zach poonen in the middle that talks about death to self uh, a very interesting statement that i made recently is when when we get so consumed with ourselves we have to come to the end of ourself and then we can truly see Jesus. We can truly have that relationship with God where we come to the end of ourselves where you know it's uh where there's a lot less i in our statements. You know that I'm I did this, I did that, I'm in the middle of that, I did this, somebody did this to me, me and I. You know they now as a speaker I'm going to say it again. I have to say that once in a while. I or me. And I'm not hung on myself. Uh, anybody that knows me knows that. And uh, But, you know, as like I say, as a speaker, preacher, teacher, you know, every once in a while you just have to say I. <laughs> you know, it just fits. And there are people I've had, you know, not, not any that really understand me, say, uh, you need to get off that I business. Well, sorry. Um, first and foremost here, we're presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of God. We follow the tenets of Scripture as closely as we can, and that is the presentation that comes out. I, I'm thankful that I have the uh, ability to do it. 
I'm thankful that I have the tools to do it and that, you know, I've had the, the, uh, the fortune of the, of finance to be able to purchase the equipment that I have sitting around me. And believe me, folks, it's minimal. It's an old, it's going to be 12 years old here soon. Apple iMac and a wonderful piece of equipment called a road podcaster. I think that's what they call it. Roadcaster pro or something like that. It's a nice board. It just makes everything so easy to work with. And I'm thankful for that. And this, you know, sure 57 microphone or whatever it is at 58, maybe 58 that, uh, carries my voice where it needs to go. Let's have a little fun first here. It is Thanksgiving, and we are uh, thankful for the food that we may have. <laughs> oh, 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 hey, hey. <laughs> now, if Elmer Fudd was around, he'd probably be hearing the shotgun blast about then, but <laughs> a little gobble humor for you today. Anyway, the verse that there's many verses in our King James Bible that that I use, and I'm sure in the other ones, I didn't look at the other ones, that talk about Thanksgiving. And it doesn't mean the holiday. You know, Thanksgiving is a purely American holiday for the most part. Other, Other countries have their own version of it. And it's under attack now, too. Can't we just leave things alone? You know, if you don't like it, don't celebrate it. If you don't like it, don't try to take it away from me, because first of all, it won't happen. You know, I can still remember uh, fourth Thursday of the month is Thanksgiving on, on November. So if you want to take it off the calendar, we're going to remember it. And there, as long as you can get turkeys, I mean, it's getting harder to find food anymore at the grocery store, I may have to take up hunting, but, uh, you know, just leave it alone. And that's my end of my political statement for today. There's a couple of verses that I'll talk about. You know, I'm going to dive back into first Peter here in a moment. Be careful for nothing. Philippians four, six says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. What a wonderful little statement to use. A verse that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. You know, if you start to read your Bible and pay attention to the little words, In everything, that's two words actually, not one, not everything, but but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known and made known unto God. Colossians 2, 7 is another one. I used this for a message I preached the other day as well. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught established in the faith, comma, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Again, these are, these are just some verses with the word thanksgiving in them. And, you know, again, we want to be thankful. We want to give thanks. Um, that's enough of that. But there is one that we kind of covered last evening in our small church and small church service. I got to tell you something. The church as a whole, the real honest to God church as a whole is shrinking. I have friends that tell me their churches were filled with people and now they're lucky if they have 50. Um, Many of our churches are having that. But I, and I know from experience in our circles of friends and whatnot, uh, there are a lot of diseases and a lot of afflictions that come upon people. People who may be shunned going to church, but I don't have time for it. Uh, and not all, 
but you know, the ones that say, ah, it's no time for that, you know, no time for the Bible, none of that. And then the affliction falls upon them. And one of the big ones is cancer. Uh, it could be a heart attack. It could be a stroke. It could be a, a multitude of different things that come upon us as we get older. And then you want to go to church, but you can't. Or perhaps you are losing your eyesight to the point where you can't drive and you have no one to depend upon. And you want to be in that fellowship on Sunday, Wednesday, and other days that you may meet. But you can't make it now. All the time that you could have, you gave up. Now, that's just a little iron sharpens iron, uh, wide open statement. If you can make it, and your church, you, you're part of a church, and you can make it, make it, get there. You don't know what blessings you're going to miss. You may, there may be, maybe you'll walk out and say, I, I really didn't get blessed by anything here. But, you know, it's, there's stuff that you can pick up from your fellow travelers in church and meeting places. First uh, Timothy 2.1 will be my last that I speak on the whole thing about giving. But I want you to think, now this is flips the word to giving of thanks. Now, let's just go ahead and read it. Shut up, Tom, and read the verse, okay? I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, not just the ones you like. That's what I mean. When we read our Bibles, we have to read these things that are in there. And specifically, when you see words like all, you know, all things work for the good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. All things, not just the good things, bad things, and we, like we just talked about, cancer and strokes, heart attacks, the things that, that afflict people to the point where they become immobile or they are rushing headfirst towards death. Even those things can be looked at as somehow good. Now, when you're going through it, it's not easy to do. You're in pain, you're, you suffer. But it, as it draw, a lot of times it draws you closer to God, and it should. It shouldn't draw you closer to anything else but the Lord himself. And pray for it now. Pray for it now. Because you don't want to wait until you're in the middle of the storm to look for the lifeboat. Get in it now. People say, well, you're crazy sitting in the lifeboat and the boat's just sailing along fine the ship i'm prepared <laughs> maybe over prepared but it's good to know at least where that boat that lifeboat's at you know walk around look look for your look for your uh, for your protective vest or whatever you know you need to know those things and in in our faith it's being ready for what may come or possibly will come So I exhort you to be ready. I exhort you. I mean, that simply means, you know, I fervently want you, therefore, to understand and pray and give thanks for all men. You say, well, the Lord's asking an awful lot of me. Not really. Look what he gave for you. All right, as we prepare here, I didn't mean to have dead air for you, but sometimes that does happen. You know, doing an expositional survey of an entire book, even though a small one like First Peter, has been eye-opening for me. I, I pray it has for you as well. 
one of the most important things that we can hold on to in this life and at this point in time is the simple fact that Jesus is coming soon. Now, will we live to see it? I don't know. But remember, God is long-suffering, which means he's given us mercy upon mercy. And if we have time, we'll talk about that in a bit. But let's just, I'll play this song for you. It's called Jesus Is Coming Soon. See, uh, Oaks. boys have uh jesus is coming soon and yes he is very 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 soon i believe now when i say that i don't not setting a date so don't get mad at me and start to you know throw rocks at the radio or whatever we uh we don't set dates here we just i believe as you, we, we look around and again uh <laughs> to the lord a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day so you know to him it is very soon to us it may seem like it drags on and on let's go ahead and hit first peter five i'm going to get through this chapter today even if i have to go over a minute but uh because it's a very simple chapter to follow and it's a very good ending to this first epistle to peter of from peter i mean and let's go ahead and do it the elders which are among you i exhort whom or who I, who am also, oh goodness gracious, my eyes, the elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder. He says he's saying he is also an elder, and a witness for the of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Now that is a that right there. If you read that passage and leave it alone. Just say we're done. We can read that, and that's all we need to be in. You know, first of all, let's pick a, pick a few of the words apart that are in there. Exhort, beseech. Uh, I I fervently want you to understand, and I want you to hear what I have to say. Is what he's saying. With the elders among you, I exhort. He's not scolding them. He's just 
reminding them with with authority and with with some power because th- this is a man Peter filled with the Holy Ghost stood up on on uh, Pentecost Sunday or Pentecost Day and he preached a message and thousands of people were saved. This is a man that carried that for the rest of his life. He had his problems. He says, I was a witness to the sufferings of Christ. He saw him beaten and whipped and, and all the other things. He was not at the, at, the, uh, at the crucifixion, but he saw the things that led up to it, and he denied Christ. Christ told him he would. Jesus said, you'll deny me three times. That wounded Peter probably harder than anything took place was the look that he got from Jesus on that day. But it was a look of love no matter what. That's all Jesus knew how to do. And he says he was a partaker. I'm a, I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. That glory is the day when Jesus returns. And he shall be revealed. Revealed to who? To all of us. It says every eye will see, every tongue will confess, and all the other things. Every knee will bow. So it's not secret when Jesus returns, by the way. It is not a secret. The dead shall rise. That's a resurrection. Just throwing that in there. Uh, some of the words in there, the witness, and a witness of the sufferings. Uh In Greek, the word witness is martyr. Now, in this case, it does mean I saw what happened. Uh, In other places, you know, it talks about witnesses. They are actually being martyred. Uh, Just a little aside, just something to think about. But also when he says, I exhort you, it means I come alongside you and I come to you to say this needs to be done. And what needs to be done? Verse 2. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a steady or ready, I'm sorry, of a ready mind. Peter says to these elders, these are preachers of the day, these are men that were uh, uh, in the church, churches, Let's just put a a plural on there that were, and you know, these things carry through from the people he was talking to see a lot of people read the Bible as history and say, that's it. He's reading or he's writing this to a specific group of people then, but it also, it goes into today feed the flock of God. Now, how do you do that? You don't do it with your own, uh, made up malarkey. You don't do it by how much, how much filler can I put in here? It's like when you make a meatloaf. You know, uh, some people use, I, well, I use breadcrumbs. You buy the breadcrumbs, you know, you kind of fill it. You, you, it, it fattens it up, holds it together. Some people use oatmeal, whatever. It's just filler. It ain't meat. You get what I'm saying? Now, it's necessary in those recipes, perhaps. But when he says, feed the flock of God, he's saying, give them the fresh grain. You know, if you can't come up with, with viable, modern, or not modern, let's wipe that word out, new messages. You know, and it's okay to do an old one, too. But you better be able to revise it a little bit. You better be able to fluently bring it into the 21st century. I, I believe one of the, the best messages of all time was Jonathan Edwards, uh, sinners in the ha- hands of a, of a, was it? sinners in the hands of an angry God. If you read that, you can go online and find it PDF form. You can download it. You can print it out. I have actually somewhere. And it's, I mean, it's, it, it People, he, they say when he when he preached the message, he didn't even he was monotone. He was a Puritan. You know those guys are pretty dry, very dry, very monotone. But people wept. I know, I know a, a guy I like to listen to. He's been passed on as well. Uh, uh, Leonard Ravenhill. He's in the opener that we have. The first guy you hear, little English fella, 
and he says, you know, in the old days, you know, uh, of William Booth of the Salvation Army, Booth would preach such messages that men would, would be shaking and they would shred the hymn books in their laps. You don't see that anymore. You don't see messes on the floor unless it's candy wrappers or coffee cups. Feed the, fleek, fle- feed the flock of God which is among you. Wherever you're at, preacher, feed your flock. Quit giving them junk. Give them fresh grain. You, know, you can't feed a sheep old moldy grain. It makes them sick. And don't do it by constraint, but willingly. You do it because it's what you love to do. I don't care if I get paid. That's the next one. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. In other words, you don't even think about the money. I, I'll tell you what. I, there's there's a, a, another fellow I heard him talk about. He says, we don't pass the offering plate. The buckets are in the back. When you walk out, you can throw it in whatever you want. They don't ask for tithes. They don't, they don't even ask for offerings. They just say, if, it's, if you walk out of here feeling like you've gotten something worth Whatever, you toss it in a bucket. What a way to do it. Rarely, unless it's a buffet, when you go to a restaurant, do you pay for the meal before you get the meal. You pay for it afterwards. You pay for it at the cashier as you walk out the door, right? They give you a bill. You walk out. You get fed in the, in the house of God as you're walking out the door. You should feel like I want to empty my wallet into this thing. I don't need to have the ushers hand it to me and pass it around and take that time up. Some people feel like they're pushed to do it. In, in the church of Tom, that's the way it'll be. Buckets in the back. Put in what you want, and if you don't want to, you don't have to. I don't care. I'm still going to preach to you. Verse 5, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples, I'm going to say examples, it says end samples, to the flock. You're not supposed to be a tyrant. You're not supposed to be the king when you're the pastor of a church. You're supposed to be the, the under-shepherd of the good shepherd, which is Jesus. You're an under-shepherd. You, you are not in your own authority. I'm not. What I do is guided by the Holy Spirit. And I have to be an example to the flock. Now, I don't really have a flock. I've got some folks that I preach to, and I always try to be an example. I am a song leader in a church. I try to be a good example. I try to keep some of my things under control, mostly anger. But, you know, (laughs) we all have that problem. But you know, there's you you're if you're in ministry of any kind, deacon, deaconess, trustee, whatever word they want to use, you need to be an example. Your life needs to reflect that of what Christ was called has called you to do. Now the deacons and whatnot, a lot of times they're elected, but they should be elected a lot based on who they are. And what examples they have? Do you come to church once a week and that's it? You shouldn't be a you shouldn't be a, a, a an official. You should be there every time the door swings, unless it's you know sometimes in the middle of the winter in Ohio it's dark and older people cannot drive at night and shouldn't. I understand that, but if you're able, you should be in that pew. And if you're and there, they get sick. Okay, people do get sick, and they get feeble as they get older i understand that i'm i'm not i'm not smacking people because it's what i do but it's an example you know you want to be a, a sunday school teacher and you never see a, a a sunday morning message because you're off with the kids while the preaching goes on in a, in a lot of churches these days or in some where where's where do you get your meat and where do you get your grain it's an example and when the chief shepherd i love this verse four and when the chief shepherd and capital s shepherd shall appear ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away
you know, I, I'm not even using my notes. I love my notes. I've I written and I, I've been keeping them because somebody's going to get them. But this one I need to pull out. Uh, um, some people, I think, are trying to wear their crown before God gives it to them, before it's been presented to them in glory. And uh, take it off. You're, you're, you're not a king yet. You're not a prince yet. You're, you, you are, in a, in a sense. It does say we are kings and priests. But, you know, uh, that doesn't give us all this authority to, to throw it around and, you know, behead people and stuff like that in a spiritual sense. I want to go over, uh, again, using the tools at hand. I, uh, I look for crowns. And what I found at this point is there's a crown of righteousness that you'll find in 2 Timothy 4, 4, 8, the crown of life, James 1, 12, Revelation 2, 10, crown of glory, 1 Peter 5, 4, which we just read, and a crown of rejoicing, 1 Thessalonians 2, 19. Now, these are not crowns of kings anyway, and in, in, in what I have kind of studied out a bit. They are crowns that were used, or, you know, can you even are used, but were used to denote a victory. Uh, in, in the Olympics of the old, you, you know, when you ran the race and you won, uh, they, they put a little wreath of whatever you know some kind of olives or whatever that thing is a little little thing they weave together of uh flowers and leaves and whatnot on your head that was your crown that was your showing of victory and there's nothing more important for us to grasp than the fact that we are living a life victorious in christ and our full victory is when we go before him and we receive whatever crowns we have coming. Then we cast our crowns at Jesus' feet. But uh, we go, you know, to not digress on that very long. You know, there's, there's, there's the four types of crowns that I found. Now, if you found more, please let me know. There's, there's places that you can respond to me on Spotify did you like the podcast or not? Let me know. I'd, I'd, love, I'd love to have some feedback. Or on your Facebook or I do Getter and MeWe and all the others. Uh, let me know. Was it something you needed? Did I bring out something that was good? Uh, not that I need that to make myself feel better. It's just that I'm reaching and, and praying for the 134 so it could be like 1% of AOC who has 13,400,000 followers on Twitter, for crying out loud. Verse 5, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God is God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. I'm going to read verse 5 or 6 right along with it because it goes a little further. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now, what does it say? You know, uh, older people tend to have knowledge of life. Uh, The ones who have spent their time in Bible study specifically, I want to talk about Christians for the most part. You can learn from older folks outside the church too as well. But you know, they have life experiences that we can uh, go on, we can kind of take on and, and understand if we listen to them. You know, like your parents, your grandparents, you know, don't do this, boy, because, look, I did it, and it was a mess. Well, you did it, Gramps. I want to try it. Sounds like fun. And, you know, it's not. <laughs> you know, yeah, I drank that bottle of Jack or whatever, and I threw up. It's, it's you know, it's just not good. Listen to them once in a while, at least give them a shot. But, you know, in this, this case, we're talking to the church, you know, you younger folks, you know, submit yourself under the elder, let them, let them teach you, 
Let them let them lead you along. And the, and it says, "Yea, all of you be subject one to another." So, in other words, sometimes the youth know as well or better than the old because they've done their study, they've done their their due diligence with God. And always be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. And, you know, that doesn't mean, hey, I'm humble. I'm I'm the humblest guy you know. Well, you're not. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. I'm telling you right now, it it is much more better to humble yourself now than to have God humble you later. But if you humble yourself, that means just, you know, don't try to, there's a song that uh, Ricky Skaggs does, you know, you're getting above your raisin, which you're raising, you know, you're, you're living above your raisin. You're, you think you're a little bit better than you are kind of thing. It's humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. You know, I sometimes wonder how the writers did what they did, how they, how they formed these letters. Uh, we have a lot of cares. We have a lot of worries. We had a lot of woes in this world in our lives. And it's been like that since the beginning of time, since man's fall from grace in the garden, they had no problems. They had a snake problem at one point which cast them out. And ever since then, God said, you'll, you'll work the ground by the sweat of your brow. You will feel the pain of childbirth and on and on murder, suicide, uh, all the other stuff that comes with it right into our common day of, you know, opioid poisoning and all the other things that go on. What does God say? What does Peter tell people through the inspiration of the Holy ghost casting all your care upon him jesus for he careth for you he'll take it he says my my yoke is light take it take my yoke wear it you still have a yoke on you're still going to have some things that bother you i love as we go on here when i say i want to i want to rip through this because it's not hard to do first peter five uh, if we ever have to come back around, and I use this verse a lot, verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, comma, as a roaring lion, comma, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The The first couple of words there are very similar. similar. Be sober, be sober-minded. It also means don't get yourself lit up on drugs, drink because when you do when your mind has been mushed out by drugs and drink and anything else that affects you the uh you know they got this stuff now they're trying to legalize uh, uh what they used to call magic mushrooms or psilocybin is what it is it's a fancy word where you can go and drink this tea and get as lit up and see all kinds of insanity and Uh, You know, there's people that pay and they go do these things. And it, 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 you know, anything that alters your senses, your mind. Now, uh, I know pain is not fun. Most of us, as we get older, have a lot of it. Arthritis, uh, bad backs, bad legs, bad feet, whatever. And you need to pop a pill once in a while anything from an aspirin to a Vicodin, whatever it may be. And you, you know, it does, it kind of foggies you a bit. Those are things that as we go through and get towards the end of life and you use them in the proper context, you know, it can do things to you, but Sometimes the pain is so bad. We call out to the Lord and we're looking for that that healing and it doesn't come or whatever. I know I've got on a rat. That's a rabbit trail. I don't really want to go down, but be sober. Do not go out of your way to alter your mind so that you don't know what's going on around you. 
You get so, you know, be vigilant. You know, keep your eyes open. Watch the signs that are coming. A lot of, a lot of Christianity says there are no more signs before Jesus comes. They can think that, but the, the Bible is replete with signs that, that he gave us, as a matter of fact, of his near to come. And so, therefore, there must be signs. Okay, just leave it at that. And we're supposed to watch these things, the earthquakes, the wars, the rumors of wars, all the other things in Matthew 24 and Daniel. The whole book kind of lines things out for you along with, you know, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and, and Isaiah. All, all, all of the scripture that talks about things to come means those things are yet to come. And why do you want to be sober? Why do you want to be so vigilant? And there's a semicolon after the word vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, now, in Hebrew, the word adversary is ha-satan, ha-satan, or in our easier-to-understand lingo, the Satan. So our adversary, <laughs> Satan, the devil, you know, that, that, that right there, you know, of course, this was written probably in Greek, but it gives us who, what are you watching for and who it is so you know. It says the devil or the devils, whatever you may want to consider. He goes around as a roaring lion. He is not a roaring lion. He just tries to fake it. A roaring lion, he walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And that, that means he is looking for somebody and whoever he can to swallow whole. Now, think about how lions do their business. If you watch nature programs, and you can handle it because they can get kind of graphic, the lionesses is who usually the, the hunters. They go after the weak and the slow of the wildebeest's or whatever they're attacking, the antelopes or whatever out there on the Serengeti. It's not the one that's running the fastest that they're going to go after. It's the one who's the weakest, the slowest, the, the straggler. They don't care if they're old or not. They're taking them. They're going to eat it. How do we equate that to our walk with God? our walk with Jesus. How do we keep? We need to build ourselves up in prayer. We need to build ourselves up in the faith and build ourselves up through Bible study, Bible teaching, preaching, and whatnot, being amongst our fellow believers, seeking out the ones that you know are the real deal. Every church has got the real deal and the ones that are lukewarm. Don't be in the lukewarm crowd. Revelation 3 will tell you all about that in Laodicean church. Right, First Peter 9, 5, 9. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Resist steadfast in the faith. You know, stay, stay as solidly built into the faith as you can get the faith of what the faith of the Bible and Christ knowing that afflictions are going to come upon you. You are going to have pains. You may even have people attack you there. there just recently there was a, a guy working at a Walmart manager of some sort, walked into the Walmart and shot seven people just happened the other day. Now, some of those could have been good, godly Christian people that got killed because we're in the world in Peter's day. They rounded us up and what'd they do? They took in wrapped you in oily rags and used you like the streets of Rome or they cut off your head or worse. I mean, if there's worse than being burned alive, uh, taken to the Colosseum 
and let the let the lions loose or the bears or whatever they captured you know they smack them with a stick or whatever until they get them mad and then send them out there to eat you there were people they say that would carry the holy ghost so strongly in those circumstances and it didn't happen with all of them but it did happen with some that the, the, the lions wouldn't even attack them it was like they glowed and the lions can see you know animals can see spiritual things to a certain degree So awesome thing to think about, you know, when you really kick it in there and start thinking about these these wonderful saints that that came before us in the first century that went to they 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 went to their death resisting the devil and following Jesus. Verse number ten: The God of all grace, who hath called us unto the eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. After you've you've suffered for a while, and suffering very well is going to, or may happen at least, or should or will happen for a while. And you know, you, oh, well, I'm suffering from the pain. I'm suffering from this and suffering that. And a lot of that times, it is that. You know, it's it's just the agony of gra- of we gradually getting older, our minds getting weaker, our bodies falling apart. But um, in a lot of this, Peter has talked about fiery trials and things that you as a Christian will go through. If you're living a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will face tribulation, and persecution. People will go after you. And as we roll into this final end times thing that's going on in our world, in our country, with all these different groups of trans this and homo that and everything else, and I'm not against them, I'm against what they do. It's ungodly. And when you speak that out, you're going to get deplatformed from your position on whatever podcasting, or uh, if you just write it on the Facebook, good Lord, you know, they'll, they'll ban you for a week or whatever, or throw you off altogether. If you speak it out loud in the public square, the real public square, you're going to lucky if they don't put you in jail and say you were guilty of a crime but the god of all grace he's called us to the eternal glory by jesus christ that while that you're going to suffer for a while you know a short while because life is not that long if you're 70 80 90 60 whatever your nose age bracket you can look back and say boy the last 50 went by quick from the time you turn 18 get out of high school and go to work and even you know, while you're working, it seems like, man, these days just drag. But before you know it, you're 50. Before you know it again, you're 60. Before you know it again, you're 70. Time is not as long as we think. It really does go by quickly. So you suffered for a while. But he's going to make you perfect. He's going to establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. That's what he really wants you to do. I want to, he said, when he says perfect, doesn't mean you're going to be perfect like Jesus. You're going to be, you know, uh, getting better as you go along until you get to that point where when you reach glory, you are in a perfected state, that new body that you're looking for. But while you're here, you're still going to, he's going to establish, you know, we, if we if we stand with Christ even to the death we are establishing ourselves in him he strengthens you gives you the ability to stand against these heathens that are running around strengthens you and then settle you give you peace 
in whatever they may do. And I'm telling you, you have to be ready. Again, get your get in the lifeboat now because the ship is sinking. People don't see it. I should have said that a while ago when I talked about the lifeboat, shouldn't I? But I, I, it just hit me, the Holy Spirit. The ship is sinking. The administration that we have in the United States and Washington, D.C. is ruining the world. Now, it says we need to pray for them, pray for all men. Find the good in it if you can, but we can learn from the bad as well as the good. But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. You're already in the eternal glory. You have already, your fate is set. You are there by the faith you have in Jesus. After that, you have suffered for a while. He'll make you perfect, establish strength, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Verse 11 says, Amen. Now, to finish up with 1 Peter completely, this fifth chapter, excuse me, verse 12, 13, and 14 are are kind of the ending for this book or this letter where Peter goes through and he says, By Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose, I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein you stand. All that talk of suffering, all that talk of persecution and fiery trials, they are there and they are the true grace of God. You know, even through that, you see the grace of God because as a witness, as a martyr, sometimes more people come to Jesus. The church that is at Babylon this is in verse 13. The church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you, and so doth Marcus, my son. The church at Babylon, I believe, was a church in, might have been Rome. Rome or Jerusalem, one of the two. But, you know, of, of, no, of no real accord at this point. But it's funny that he didn't use the name. He just through it the real name he's babylon when you see babylon in the bible it's never a good thing is it if you know we we should study that out someday uh the tower of babel and what came from that i mean that that takes long periods of time and covering other things besides the the holy scriptures but every every bad um theological mess that is going on in the world today originated at Babylon or has its roots in Babylonian uh, history. Verse 14 says, greet ye therefore, uh, there, greet ye one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you and all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. That is the end of First Peter completely and as today chapter five it has been a pleasure i believe for me anyway to go through study this thing so a little deeper than normal to feel the gravity of it you know you you, if you know without being too new agey and weird you know, sometimes it's good to kind of put ourselves in the place of these wonderful men who gave us the Bible. And I say, I got notes over there, like six or eight pages of notes. I didn't, I didn't salt into them very, very hard. There was a little bit here and there that we, uh, we looked at, but the, you know, some of this is very easy to understand without going deep, deep, deep. But I, exhort you brethren to feed the flock of God. I exhort you brethren that you stay as close to the shepherd as you can. 
uh, and I'm talking to preachers, if there's any out there, you know, a lot of times preachers don't listen to anything, but their their own selves. I, I had a guy tell me one time, he says, you know, I, I, I'm around the things of God all day, you know, because he was a preacher in a church, an elect, uh, not an elected, a, a paid for. And he, he just says, you know, when I get home, I don't, I, I don't want to, I want to deal with anything. You know, I want to deal with the things of God. You know, you are not called then. If you have this divorcement from things of God after you walk out of your church or off your pulpit, you're not called. I had another guy try to tell me one day that, you know, I said, I feel like I have a calling. I wanted to go into a prison ministry. This is before the COVID debacle, which has put a, 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 a real blockade up on things. Uh, and, you know, likewise, I, I kind of got into a, a nursing home or whatever you want to call it, skilled nursing facility where I can do some ministry. And uh, when I said, you know, I've been called, I feel called to do well, a calling's just your 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 desire to do something. No, it's not. It's a calling. It is from God that He calls certain people, and I I can name a bunch of them, and some of them have passed on and gone to be with Christ. But you know, there are certain men, and probably a women or two, that were called to be teachers, preachers, screamers of the Scripture, people who have no problem uh, going into the real, deep things of God. And that's something that uh, doesn't happen very often anymore, the deep things of God. Because people just want the shallow nothing. They don't want to be pushed into doing anything that they feel or, or, well, you know. Job, I had to look up deep things of God, okay? Job 12, 22. And then Job 12, I love that chapter of Job for the fact that it goes very deep into the power and the might of God. He talks about God all the way through it. He discovereth deep things out of darkness and bringeth out to the light the shadow of death. That's pretty deep. 1 Corinthians 2.10, though, is the one that I really like. Let's go to that. We've got a few seconds here before we skip out for the day. 1 Corinthians 2. Verse 9 is a good one. A lot of folks, you probably heard this, and then they leave. The preachers always leave out verse 10. But as it is written, comma, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Verse 10 says, But God hath revealed them unto us, by his spirit, for the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Folks, you need to get deeper. We all do. We need to search the scriptures. We need to study them. We need to use these tools that God has put in our hand. I've got the Wycliffe commentary, which is a great commentary. You got Matthew Henry's commentary, you know, and a lot of people, they don't like commentary. Ah, no, I don't use commentaries. I just let the Holy Spirit guide me, and it's, it's all fine and good. But we also need to understand that there is good stuff out there that can lead us and guide us along with the Holy Spirit, which was also, I believe, many of them inspired by the Holy Spirit, just as Scripture is. 
It is Thanksgiving once again, let me remind you. I don't know that you'll get around to listening to it on Thanksgiving. But if you do, thank you. And if you don't get around to it till Friday, which is Black Friday, you'd be better off to listen to me for an hour than to go out and fight the people in the crazy world. Thanks for taking time to be with us. And I am thankful for you. I'm thankful to God for the platform he's given me and the chance it is to pass his holy word on to those who love him. Till next time, Tom Rich the Removing Confusion. Hey